What a bunch of horny bitches dykes are. What a bunch of dirty little men. Filthy girls. As I read these stories in manuscript, I observed a trend in which Massachusetts and New Zealand are both producing lesbian erotic texts on a massive scale. Somebody must have conducted special workshops in both those places, because it can't just be that this was a very hot year in Somerville or Auckland. Or can it? Are there erotic writing sweatshops there? I once worked for an erotic writing sweatshop. There was an ad in The Voice for writers of adult fiction. The sweatshop, in fact, was a fairly hip loft in the 30s, in Murray Hill to be exact. Hi, Murray. To even get an interview, you had to drop off 2,000 words at their office and wait for a call. The call came, and next I met with this older woman, who was perhaps 50, and was white, and her hair was curled, and her face in my memory seemed huge in its pleasure at how good and talented I was at this. Her enthusiasm made me cringe. All I can remember about my sample, in which I believed I was writing for heterosexuals, was that some cops wound up fucking twin girls in the bushes of Central Park. I remember the girls blowing the cops, and the story going into some detail about how the girls milked the cops' dicks. I felt convinced I was insane, and now it showed. Yet I remember needing to allude to the girls' innocence, which was borne out by their mistaking the cops' dicks for tits. The woman smiled and smiled. You're hired, Eileen. And then she showed me the big machines. It was like you would be riding into something that made me think of Kafka's In the Penal Colony, the story that reminds everybody of everything. Because it's a story about a writing machine, which everyone feels like already a little bit when they pump out prose. I would go in daily to the loft on Murray Hill, and I would have to write about 3,000 words a day for $300 a week. This was 1979, so the money seemed good. But still, the work seemed impossible. Word processors didn't even exist then, so I was being hired to pump my dirty thoughts into something I had never seen before. It was like a combination of a teleprompter and a conveyor belt. My words would go away. The woman kept smiling at how good I was at it. Writing dirty, I thought. I felt like she was going to eat me. I meant literally, or the machine would eat my mind, or my brain would get milked. How would I feel after a day of it? An empty window in the combat zone, or a red light district. The curtain shut. No business. The job was going to solve a certain kind of life that wound up getting solved some other way. And now it is bringing me here. Years ago, Patrick Califia, then Pat, led an erotic writing workshop in Boston at one of the last outright festivals. I think I went with Heather Lewis. I was kind of obsessed with Pat Califia, having accidentally attended a single meeting of the lesbian sex mafia, and she wore a yellow sundress and was just unaccountably hot. It was her confidence, her calmness in that insipid dress, In Boston, she made me want to do nothing else but write dirty. What else was worth it, really? And still, I probably write less about sex than most of the lesbian writers I know. I write about so many parts of my relationships with women that it seems that that one, the most tangible reason I want to be with her or her, 
should probably remain private. But it never does. It always somehow comes bursting out, because that's sex. Tristan sent me first one package, then another, then another. Groan. I needed to be writing this summer. When would I read all of this? Then I got sick, or hurt my back. Something had me in bed for a week, maybe more. And what I had for companions were Peggy Munson's Christian cousins playing with each other's tits in the pool. I think it was the pool and their youth that made it hot. Or how one cousin felt weird about her tits, so the other happily groped them. It was like healthy and even sweet, you know? Not in the family album is all.